So set yourselves at ease because the Lord loves you. I mean, the Lord loves you. Amen. We, we can't, we strive to do the best for him. But you see, his love is not based upon our striving. Amen. Okay? Jesus just said, well, what, what can we do, Lord? What, how, do we do, how do we do the works of God? And Jesus says, believe. Believe. Trust. Trust in him. Now David has come to what he calls the city of Jerusalem. He's taken the mountain there away from the Jebusites, which is really, which is really a, a pretty good political move on his part. In other words, he's taken land that doesn't belong yet to anybody in Judah or Israel, in any of the tribes. He takes that for himself. So he's really taken neutral territory. He's conquered neutral territory, which kind of exists in the northern part there. So it's, it's almost uh, like a division between what will be like Judah and then Israel later on. He takes neutral territory and makes that his own. He's a pretty, pretty politically astute dude. Plus he's, plus, I mean, what can we say? I mean, he's young. He's handsome. It's intelligent, kind of like your bishops. <laughs> amen, 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 amen. Byron, thanks for coming this morning. Praise God. So he, so outwardly, even though I mean, even though he was anointed by Samuel when he didn't look so good, um, he's turned into a pretty, pretty neat specimen. He's been conquering people all over the place. And he's at rest, and he now has a kingly palace to live in. And he says, man, I've got to do something for God. Got to do something for God. And God basically says, no. No. You don't have to do anything for me. In fact, I don't want you to build a temple. It's not time yet. But I want to I tell you that I want to bless you. I want to pour out my love upon you. And it's not based on any of that other stuff that you've done. Beating the, the Philistines, uh, piling up foreskins and all that kind of... I'm sure you've been reading First and Second Samuel all this week because Jonathan asked you to do that last week, if I remember correctly. Right? I'm... How many have read First and Second Samuel this week? Oh, praise God. Whoa, even in the back there, too. <laughs> praise God. Well, it's a tough, that's a lot of chapters. So I commend you all for having read all that good stuff. But that's not going to get you into heaven. <laughs> Just want you to know that. Amen? Amen. Amen. Because it's, it's God's love that will bring you to him. It's God's love. And we can't earn God's love. Even though we have those tapes in the back that say, well, you've got to do this and you've got to do that. You have to wear that. And, and we clergy even have a more difficult burden because you have to do special stuff and 
hold your hands a certain way and do things at the right moment. And uh, Father Mike was reminding me this morning um, he, about Martin Luther, who, who was really kind of upset at his first communion service that he led, and his dad was in the congregation, and his dad was not all in favor of this. And he hits the chalice, and the wine goes over in his first celebration of Holy Communion. Well, I mean, that would, that would end most of our lives right there at that point from that. Now, I'm not saying that that's going to happen this morning or anything like that. Father Dan's been practicing, 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 but you know what? If it did happen, it wouldn't matter. Okay? If it did happen, it wouldn't matter. We have a tendency as human beings to focus on the wrong stuff. And see, we build a beautiful sanctuary like this, and, and rather, and our focus is, is taken away from God, and, and the focus becomes the sanctuary itself, or what we're doing. Okay? And that can't be allowed to happen. I mean, this is really just a roof over our heads where we come to meet the Lord, okay? It, we have to think about it like that. Because we, we see this happen. We saw it happen with Solomon's temple. We even see it happen with Herod's temple. You remember that people cried when they saw the rebuilding of the temple of Herod, although the temple of Herod was on that mount there. It's 20 stories high. 20 stories high in early B.C. It's covered with gold, and, it, and it's white marble. So when the sun rises up in the morning, it hits the temple, and you can see the temple for miles, like a jewel. Okay? But in the, in the time of Jesus... The issue was not, um, well, are we drawing closer to the Lord? The issue was, well, what's, you know, what's happening at the temple? Are we taking care of the temple? Um, you know, we are the Jews. God, you know, loves us specially. You know, and he dwells with us. And he doesn't really dwell anywhere else. He's with us. He's on our team. He's picked us. Blah, blah, blah. And their focus is lost on God, and then it becomes themselves, the temple, and those kinds of things. Now, that's not to say that, that, that we should treat a sanctuary irreverently or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that we have a tendency as humans to focus on not quite what the Lord would have us focus. We're, we're material beings. We focus on material things. And the Lord wants us to focus not only on material things, because he gives us material things to help us focus, but he wants us to focus on the spiritual things. And so he wants David to do the same. In the first three verses today, David is the king, the king, the king. The king had this idea. Nathan says, oh, man, that's a great idea. But then the Lord came to Nathan in the night. 
and he said, Nathan, pay attention to this. Take this message to David. And so the Lord starts out saying, King David? No. He says, David, my servant? Let's get that right first. (laughs) This is what's happened. Now, it's fascinating to me that, that what we have in, the, in our scriptures is completely different than you have in the entire ancient Near East. Because as kings would, would build temples, we think of Karnak, or we think of the temple of Diana in Ephesus, or we think of other Greek Roman temples, they would, they would um, tell you all about themselves. Well, I'm the guy that beat the Babylonians and we crushed the Assyrians and we did really good against the Hittites over there in Anatolia. Then we came down and went through Syria, down to Egypt. We grabbed those guys and beat them up alongside the head. And I'm building this temple now to thank God for those things. And so... The, the focus was on that king, was on that king. Here, in our scriptures, God changes David's focus from him being king to how that was possible. How that was possible. He, sa- he starts out by saying, you know, I was with you while you were following the sheep. Not even leading the sheep. I was with you. I helped you. I've been with you this whole time. I've helped you beat your enemies. I've helped you do in this, and I've helped you in that. And so what we have, what we have in our scriptures is an amazing, amazing document, extremely different from all the other stuff that we see going on in Egypt, I mean in Karnak, the walls are filled with what the Pharaoh has done. Okay. God reorients David right now and, and, and goes right to the colonel. All this blessing is because of God. I'm in? And so we can say the same thing today. All this blessing is of God, is because of God. Where we are today, the things we have, the family he's placed us in, all that stuff is because of God. Amen? Praise the Lord. And so God wants to share his love with each of us. In fact, God wants to serve us. That's hard for us. That's hard for us to understand, to wrap our little minds around. God glories in serving us. In fact, he makes a comparison in Isaiah 45 and 46 of the other gods, Nebo, Nabu, Nabu from Babylonia, where you get Nabu Kudurdiusur, which is Nebuchadnezzar. So those names are, are praising their god, Nabu. But God says in Isaiah 46, these things, these idols that you make can't bow 
down. They can't even walk. They don't talk. They really can't listen to you. But I am the God who has carried you because I love you. I am the only God. Listen to me. Listen to my servant. I want to serve you. And so that's what we celebrate as we come together. We, we come together to praise God and to give thanks for all that stuff, for his uh, shepherding of our lives. And then he serves us Salvation, spiritual food, spiritual food from his word and the body and blood of Jesus. He serves us. He gives us this salvation. I want you to know that there's, no, there's nothing that you can do that will make him love you more than just trusting and believing in him. That's hard for me to understand. I don't know if that's hard for you to understand or not. Because we've all been told, got to sit still while you're in church. Of course. And we have to do all these things. But there's really nothing we can do because God is not like that. Even in one of his parables, which I didn't have a chance to look up this morning, Jesus says, be ready when the master comes. He's talking to the servants. Be ready when the master comes, because when the master comes, he will serve you. Amen. I, don't know if the, I don't know if the disciples heard that. I don't know if they understood that, because that's completely out of even the culture of the ancient Near East. We are God's servants, and he will serve us. And he tells Peter, if I can't wash your feet, if I can't serve you, then there's nothing, there's nothing I can do for you. Oh, no, Lord, wash everything. <laughs> do my hair. <laughs> no, Peter, you don't understand. Don't understand yet. Praise God. God loves us so much. I just want you to know that today. God loves you. The things that we're able to do are in response to his love. And we do out of a thankful and generous heart. Now, the psalm has been pretty clear with us this morning. Psalm 14 has told us, no one does good. No one. Wow, that sounds like Paul, doesn't it? <laughs> Romans, um, something, chapter 3. Anyway, of course it's Paul. It's there in the Old Testament. And these covenants that God has made with Adam, then with Abraham, then with who's the next guy? Not, not Isaac, but Jacob. Jacob, Israel, right? and now David, are all out of grace. God does the choosing. 
God tells us what we need, what we need to know about. God speaks with us. God comes to us because he doesn't trust that we're going to get it correct. And so he comes and gives us his word. This is an important gift that we don't open to our own condemnation. Wow, thanks, thanks you all for, for reading First and Second Samuel this week. That, that's a lot of stuff. Whoa, praise God. But it's interesting to see how God is working and doing these things. He says, David, you think you'll build me a house? No, I'm going to build you a house. So there's a play on the word house. Just like in English, house can mean a home or it can mean a whole dynasty. The house of Tudor. Or the house of Stuart. Okay, a kingdom. I am going to work through your line. And I will make this salvation stuff happen. And so in Mark, Mark is trying to show us the divine warrior. The divine warrior who God has sent to bring salvation. And who's that divine warrior? Are, are you guys asleep yet? <laughs> who's that divine warrior that Mark, the gospel of Mark, is telling us about? Jesus. In fulfillment of all that Isaiah prophecy. From, well, totally Isaiah, totally Isaiah. Comfort. Speak comfort to my people. I'm working. I'm bringing salvation. I am doing this. I am the Lord. I am saving. And Jesus walks, walks into the room and demons start to fly out as fast as they can. Because he is God's servant and he is God's king. And so the eternal promise now that's given to David that through his line, his son will be king is fulfilled in Jesus. Now, the first half of 2 Samuel is about the triumphs of David through chapter 12. The last half of 2 Samuel is about the tragedies of David. And it's interesting that God does not allow him to build a temple, but David can only begin to amass some of the stuff, some of the wood, some of the bronze, some of the iron that will be required in that temple. But there is another interesting thing that happens at the very end of 2 Samuel. And that is after, unfortunately, another bad judgment of Samuel. Samuel uh, buys a piece of property for a sacrifice that is on Mount Moriah and will become the site of the temple. And this is the same site that Abraham was sent to with Isaac 
And Isaac said, I see the wood. I see the fire. Where exactly is the sacrifice? But it's the place where God provided the sacrifice. Abraham raises his arm with the knife in it, and the angel says, No. And there's a ram over in the thicket, caught, who will be the sacrifice. This is the same mount on which Jesus will be provided for our sacrifice, for our union, once again, our, our, the, the, the possibility of our entrance into God's holy place. God's holy place. Last week you heard about Uzzah. Unfortunately, stuck out his hand to prevent the ark from falling. Um, and we get mad at David about that, but Uzzah knew the same rules. Uzzah knew the same rules. And he probably shouldn't have let David make him take that sucker. Not following the rules. But he did, and he stuck out his hand and was killed. Um, R.C. Sproul suggests maybe Uzzah was thinking, well, it would be better if I prevent the ark from falling into the dirt. But it wasn't. Because sometimes we think, oh, well, we're, we can do this kind of stuff. We, we're pretty good. We can do it. We can help God. We'll help you, God. And God says, you guys aren't ready for this. You don't know what this means. You're not holy. And so you can't touch those holy things. So we need to be like David, listening to the Lord, seeking the Lord coming before him. He does it again today. The Lord says, no, you can't build that house, but I am building a house through you. Watch this. Watch what I do. But we have to trust him. We have to trust him. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.